G'day guys, welcome back yet again. Before we get stuck into this episode, I just wanted to talk about two weeks ago when we talked about the whole research process for how you analyze a stock and do your own research. There was one resource that I forgot about and that's what's called the conference call. So every three months in the US, companies will release their results for the last three months. And when they do that, they have a meeting with a bunch of you know, financial stock analysts from big hedge funds and banks, individual investors can't really go to these things. But in that, the company will first present the management, like the CEO and the high up people, they will present their results for the first half of this one hour meeting. And then after they present their results, there'll be a bunch of questions from those um, analysts and big hedge fund managers who are in the audience And they will actually ask the CEO and staff a bunch of questions about the results, get clarity on a few things. And those can actually be a really good resource um, because it tells you what the company's plans are, what, why they had those results. And sometimes it can even be easier just to listen to that than to read their quarterly results and things like that. So that's a really good resource. It's again, it's on the investor relations part of the company's website. So you just type in the company and then So you just do company X investor relations, go into there and just have a look around until you find the events and presentation section. And there will be all their quarterly conference calls, they're called, and you can have a good listen to those. And that's another really good resource. Another really good resource is, um, especially with the young, like fast growing companies is they will also have these other conferences And they're called a whole bunch of different names, like the Morgan Stanley Future of Retail Conference. And a bunch of growing companies in that retail space will present throughout the day. But each company that presents will actually put their their presentation up on that investor relations website under the events and presentations part. And if you listen to that, it tells you all about their future plans how they turn how they manage to turn profit what their opportunities are and everything like that so those that's another really good resource and you can just listen to it on your drive um yeah i just forgot to mention them all right so this week so this week we're going to talk about scenarios where you'll find a stock on the cheap and there's a few common ones and these are all pretty much every stock i've ever bought has fit into one of these categories um and they are a short term issue a slowdown in growth, an industry struggling overall, um, having a good segment in amongst other bad segments, and also having um, actually looking at growth stocks. They can also be quite cheap. So we're going to delve into each of those scenarios where you'll find a stock for cheap today. So the first one is short-term issues, and these are extremely varied they change from company to company but these are the moments that you're waiting for essentially these are the moments where a stock can fall pretty pretty hard and they're a great opportunity to buy in even with those growth stocks every company at some point will have some sort of short-term issue and the stock will get sold off and that's because like i said the professional investors they get their results checked every three months so if they're invested in a stock And that stock comes out and goes, oh, look, we're having some issue. And, you know, they might not even give a timeline or even if they do give a timeline and they say it might take us six months to resolve this issue because those professionals get their results checked every three months. 
they don't want to be holding a stock that's going to have issues for more than three months time. Even if it's even if the issue is less than three months, because their results are checked so frequently, they don't want to carry the risk of holding that stock through that issue period. And so you'll get a massive sell off in that stock. And it's a great opportunity for us. And that's why we also want to buy stocks on the cheap, because every stock will have this issue at some point, And that's the best time to buy. So there's a few examples I can give you. But again, it will vary a lot company to company and industry to industry. So the common the common ones that I've seen are underpaying your employees. So they that's usually a pretty big scandal. A lot of people extrapolate that into a bad corporate culture. And, you know, it is bad to underpay your employees and it does have ramifications. But if we're invested in a company that has this protection from competition, they've got a brand, they've got something about the company that we've already delved into, something about them that means they won't ever really be replaced. Well, then those issues are going to be underpaying your employees isn't going to detract customers from that business, really. Um, and so an example of this is Domino's. They got crushed from about $60 a share down to about $35 a share at the end of last year. And they had underpaid their employees. And it's always the same process. They have this underpaying employees. And then the company will do a big investigation internally into the company. And they'll find what the issue is and they'll resolve it. And then the stock will recorrect. So Domino's went from $60 to $35. And now it's about 80 and that was purely because the company was underpaying their employees. So it's a, although it is not ideal to have a company you're invested in do that, and it's, you know, it's not really ethical either. But from an investing standpoint, the company will almost always do an investigation, resolve that issue, and then the stock will correct. Um, another short term issue is like a technology glitch. So for example, Twitter, at the end of last year, they had a technology glitch which meant that advertisers couldn't actually, or there was an issue with advertisers getting their ads onto the platform. And so the company's sales and profits were a little bit reduced because of that. Um, but again, that sent the stock down to about $30 a share from about 50 and now it's back to 50. So these things, these short-term issues pretty much always get, they do always get resolved in what I've seen. Um, another one is like a bad up app, a bad app update or a bad technology update. So Snapchat was at about $20 a share about in 2018, skyrocketed up, and then they had a bad app update on their Android platform. And, you know, people weren't using Snapchat as much because of that bad app update. And the stock went from about $20 a share down to nearly $5 a share. But what did Snapchat do? They did an investigation. They fixed the app update and because the network effects on the Snapchat platform are so strong, they got through it. And so now you'll find that Snapchat stocks at $35 a share. So you could have seven times your money just because of a bad app update. Um, another short term issue that comes up is profitability. So when you're a growth company, um, when you first come out onto the public markets, you know, investors expect you to give them a time horizon on when you intend to be profitable. And sometimes for whatever reason, the company doesn't reach that exact target in time, or they're like, sorry, we're going to need a few more months to become profitable. And investors just get scared away by that. They extrapolate it into, oh my God, this growth company is never going to be profitable. Uh, it's doomsday and the stock will get smashed. 
But again, it's it's probably a three month, six month delay to their target of profitability. But because of the because the professionals have such short time horizons, right? They get the results checked every three months. They only really invest in a stock to hold it for at maximum a year. Things like this can really sink the stock. And, you know, a company might not be turning a profit as soon as they had originally anticipated because they have all these opportunities to invest and grow even further. But regardless of the validation they give, investors just get spooked and the stock falls. So those are the short-term issues I can kind of think of that I've come across that can get a st- can hurt a stock really badly. And another thing to note is that these stock falls are particularly dramatic for the more expensive growth stocks because if we remember the stock price, how expensive a stock is can be seen as a proxy for how the expectations of the company. So if a stock is extremely expensive, investors expect perfection and even better than that. So whenever a company comes short of that that kind of bar, that stock gets hurt really badly. And so the expensive high growth stocks that have any sort of short-term issue can get absolutely pummeled. So an example of this is Boohoo. So they've got Boohoo, uh, Pretty Little Thing and Nasty Gal. They're these three fast fashion brands that are absolutely destroying it. They're doing so well, but they had an un- they had a scandal where they were underpaying their employees and warehouses and the stock fell from $400 a share to about 250 and that's actually where it's at today and which is a pretty cheap stock price for such a company with a lot of upside potential um but because boohoo was so expensive before that scandal about underpaying their employees cut the stock in half and so the more expensive a stock is, again, that's that downside risk we're always talking about. If a stock's expensive, the downside risk is really big, and so any little thing can really bring out that downside risk. Okay, so that's the first scenario where a stock is cheap. They have some sort of short-term issue, and investors get spooked because they have a short time horizon. The stock gets smashed. Eventually, the company fixes the issue, and everything goes back to normal, and the stock's back to where it was before. The second scenario where you find a stock for cheap is a growth slowdown. So this is kind of similar. So those expensive growth stocks, they're priced for perfection. And so if there is even a subtle slowdown in their growth, the stock can get smashed pretty bad. So on my Instagram, Stocks From Scratch, I posted a case of a company called Fastly. Uh, they're a hyped up stock. They're in the cloud computing. That's what investors are loving at the moment. Anything to do with the cloud, investors are loving it. And it was an extremely expensive stock. And then they had their quarterly results and they said, we will grow by 5% less than we expected to at the start of the year. And that 5% reduction in their growth caused the stock to fall 30% or even 35%. So that's an example of where a growth slowdown can really hurt a stock. But what investors forget is as you get bigger, it naturally gets harder to grow. Your growth rates will naturally slow down. That's just the law of diminishing returns. Um, and so when a company's growth slows down, investors get spooked. And that's because they've invested in this growth company because they see years and years of high, high growth ahead. And so what freaks them out is that if the company's growth is slowing down, 
or even reduced from what they expected, investors start to think that this is the end of the company's growth story. They go, that's it. The company's not going to grow anymore into the future. It's all over. They get really dramatic. And because they bought the stock for this long-term growth potential, that slowdown in growth causes investors to get scared off and the stock gets absolutely smashed. So that's another really good opportunity to invest in. And in those scenarios, if because half the time a company's growth slowdown might be a temporary issue, you know, maybe there's some factor going on like COVID that's just kind of slowed down their growth a little bit. Um, and then that growth can go back to normal after. But then sometimes that growth slowdown is truly the company actually reaching its near maximum growth potential. Um, which isn't a bad thing because once they reach their growth potential, they then start to focus on profitability and free cash flow instead. And But in this stock market environment, because interest rates are so low, investors want growth. They're really looking for high growth. And so any slowdown in growth freaks them out. The stock gets absolutely smashed and it can be a really good buying opportunity for investors. So that's the second one, a slowdown in growth. The third time where you'll find a stock for cheap is an industry overall is struggling. So think of, you know, airlines. I don't really want to use that example because they are in serious trouble. Um, but other things like clothing and alcohol that have kind of been reduced because of COVID. When that happens, when an industry overall struggles, the investors, again, they've, the professionals, they have a knee-jerk short-term horizon and they will just sell out of all of that industry. Every stock in that industry will get smashed. And so the, the opportunity in that scenario is that they will sell out of the entire industry somewhat regardless of the differences in quality between the different companies. And so what happens is the industry is struggling, all those stocks fall, and all the stocks fall kind of similarly, regardless of which ones are better or worse in that industry. And then it takes a few weeks, but eventually investors will start to, the smart investors will start to buy into the stocks in that industry that are actually better than the other ones. And so that can be another opportunity. Um, an example of this is the clothing industry recently. You know, people, COVID sparked an economic recession. And so things that people don't really need to buy get hurt the most. Um, and clothing is one of those. And so when COVID hit, the entire clothing industry, every clothing company got smashed by about 50%, regardless of the differences in brand quality between them. And then after a little while, investors started to move into the highest quality ones, so like Nike and Adidas, but have still, to this day actually, left a lot of the clothing companies quite beaten down, even ones that are of decent quality, um, like Under Armour and PVH Corp and Capri, um, so that's another opportunity to get a stock on the cheap. A whole industry gets hit for some reason and um, all those stocks fall. So that makes them cheap. And on top of that, if you really know the industry well, you can actually even buy the good quality companies in that industry for cheap because they've fallen down altogether. But there are some little nuggets of gold in amongst that, which are higher quality than others. On that note, actually, I've actually added a new page on my website and it's called Stock Summary List. It's just on one of the tabs at the top. 
And here, what I've done is I've categorized all the stocks on my website. I've categorized them into um, five categories based on how expensive or cheap they are. So they're either very cheap, cheap, moderate, and moderate means they're about fairly priced, probably a little bit cheap, but not super cheap. And then we've got expensive and very expensive. And so I realized I probably should have done that a while ago, sorry. Um, but that will help you navigate all the stocks on the website a lot easier, just in one place. You're going to see what's really cheap, what's cheap, and then you can just pick what ones you like more than others. So that's the third kind of scenario where you find stocks for cheap. An industry has a struggle overall, and all the stocks in that industry fall together. The fourth situation where you'll find a stock for cheap is when a company has multiple segments. Okay, so a lot of companies out there, they actually have more than one segment. You know, they might own more than one brand or they might sell more than one product. And so what happens is, is when a company has multiple segments, a bad segment can drag down the overall results of the company. And the market or a lot of the professionals and stuff out there, they don't actually do a lot of research into every single stock that they own because the professionals own probably 30, 40, 50 stocks in their portfolio. And so they don't really have the time or the memory to go into the nitty gritties of every single stock that they own. And so what a lot of these professionals do is they will say, okay, company X deserves a free cash flow multiple of say 15. Now, what happens if you have a bad segment in amongst that, the bad, bad segment can reduce the free cash flow of the whole company overall. And so if the professionals then apply that 15x multiple to the overall free cash flow, they get a really, no, really low stock price that they want for that stock. And so they sell out of it. They go, oh, wow, I calculate the stock price to be worth $10 using this free cash flow multiple, but the stock's currently at 20. So it's expensive and so they'll sell out. And so the net result of this is that because of one bad segment, the whole company gets bashed down, the whole stock falls. And if you're smart in these scenarios, you'll find that this can be an opportunity to buy a company and buy it for the good segment for cheap. So let's take an example. Let's say a company has two segments, A and B. Segment A is doing well and segment B is doing bad. So the overall result for the company as a whole is mediocre. And it can even be a bad overall result because what tends to happen is if you have a bad segment, that segment can lose a lot of money really quick. If you have a segment that's doing really poorly, you've got all these fixed costs, fixed expenses to run that segment, but the segment sales have declined by a considerable amount, that the overall result on your free cash flow is that it can be a big negative. And so the overall result of the company, even with the good segment in there, it can be either a mediocre result overall or it can be a bad result, potentially even negative free cash flow just because of one bad segment. But the whole stock and the whole company will get bashed down because of that segment. So if you dive into each segment individually, you may find that you can buy the stock i.e. the whole company for cheap and you can get this good segment for cheap. So what do I mean? Well, if a company has a bad segment and you're the CEO of this company and you've got a bad segment, you can simply shut the whole segment down or you can sell it off or you can even 
spin off the good segment as a separate company. But regardless, you've got all these options to kind of stop the bleeding, okay? Uh, so what do I do in these scenarios? And, and it's that ability to stop, to just shut down that segment, which, in, which the professionals just, again, it's, they've got a short time horizon, you know, the time it takes to shut down a whole segment of your business or sell it off, that can take three, six, nine months, do you know what I mean? And so because they've got such a short time horizon, they just, the professionals just sell out and they just smash the stock down. So what do I do in these scenarios? Well, if I have no faith in the bad segment at all, I just value the whole bad segment as zero, okay? I just put that as zero as though it's worth nothing. And that in itself is very conservative because it's likely that it's not worth nothing. Do you know what I mean? There's lots of private equity firms, which are just like hedge funds, which would, which thrive on buying businesses which are struggling really badly. They buy it for cheap and they try and turn that segment around. And so while I value the bad segment as zero, just to be very conservative, it's probably not worth zero. And so in that segment in itself might be worth something, which just gives you more upside potential. But for me, in my calculations, I just say it's worth zero. Then I look at the good segment as if it were its own separate company. And I see what it's worth using my valuation methods. And you'd be surprised, but a lot of the time, or not a lot of the time, sometimes, you'll find that the stock has been hurt so badly, the stock has fallen so much, that the good segment that you value, let's say you value the good segment at worth as worth a billion dollars, you might find that company is trading on the stock market overall as worth $500 million. And so what has to happen? Well, the, the company will eventually shut down that bad segment and the company will eventually be worth a billion dollars. So you've just doubled your money by buying the stock when the company's worth $500 million and you know that good segment's worth a billion dollars, well, then you know that eventually it should go to a billion and you should double your money in the meantime. And it's, it's actually quite absurd that this even happens because what that implies, if, if the good segment's worth a billion and the company overall is worth 500 million on the stock market, that tells you that investors are valuing the bad segment as negative. They're valuing to get the good and the bad segments together to be worth 500 million. If you know the good segment's worth a billion, then that means the bad segment is being valued by the market as negative $500 million. And together, they make the $500 million stock price or stock value that you find today. Which makes no sense at all, because no segment is worth negative. It will, yes, it will produce negative free cash flow for the company, but as soon as they stop the bleeding and shut that off, the problem's resolved. So... The way you do this is you find the segments in the company's annual report and you just, it's in the segment section. So I would just go to the annual report, I'd control F, search the document for segments or for the word segments and you'll find it. You'll find the individual segments laid out and when you do this, and so once you get to the segment section, I then just get the numbers for the good segment and I value the good segment, I value the bad segment as zero and I see what I get. Now, when you do this, you'll find that there's a segment called corporate. And this refers to the corporate expenses of the whole company, okay? And that's, 
it's split it out separately because it's the corporate expenses are shared by the whole company. Not one segment will carry all those corporate expenses. And yeah, because they all have the same CEO, they all have the same CFO, the same board, whatever. And so when you're doing this, I just cut it in half. So I'll say, okay, if the bad segment disappears, then, and there's two segments, well then half the corporate expenses will go to the bad one, which will get shut down. And half of those corporate expenses will go to the good one. And I'll factor that into my free cash flow. So just to recap that, I go to the segment section. I look at the good segment. I go, okay, what was their operating profit? What was their, I calculate their free cash flow. I then subtract the corporate, half of the corporate expenses, okay, from that free cash flow number. And that tells me what free cash flow the good segment will make. And then I use either multiples or any of our other methods to value the good segment with that free cash flow, and I see what I get. Don't forget, after we do that, we then subtract cash, add cash, sorry, <laughs> add cash and subtract debt. Now, when you're doing this, to be extra conservative, you do it for the whole company. So you assume that the good segment is going to take all of the company's debt that it has, and the good segment is going to take all the cash that the company has. And so You'll add the cash for the whole company, subtract the debt for the whole company. And this is, again, another layer of being conservative because in reality, if the company does and probably will sell off the bad segment, when they sell off the bad segment, they'll also be selling off some of the debt that that bad segment has. So the good segment, once the bad segment's been shut down, the good segment probably won't have all the debt that the company has, but we're just going to be extra conservative and assume that all the debt goes to the good segment. So we sub we calculate the free cash flow for the good segment. We then subtract out half the corporate expenses or a third, whatever. And then we've now got the free cash flow for the good segment. We then add the cash that the whole company currently has, and we subtract the debt that the whole company has, and we divide by the number of shares. And that's what your stock price is for just the good segment. And if that is lower than the stock price of the whole company at the moment, that's a, that's a good sign to buy in. So let's do an example here. We're going to dive into a company called L Brands. They have two segments. They have Victoria's Secret and Bath and Body Works. Bath and Body Works has been killing it. They sell fragrances and soaps and sanitizer and things like that and they've been absolutely killing it in the US they've got very unique fragrances um, that have become really trendy over there and so the evidence of this is that they can charge $25 for a candle that's how popular they are the other segment Victoria's Secret is the exact opposite their sales have been declining um, because they have this outdated marketing whereby they portray women and their body sh with unrealistic body shapes and that has driven women away from the brand as lately a trend has been more towards accepting all body types in the fashion space. So what I did here, I valued Victoria's Secret as worth zero dollars, okay? And that's not true because the company still managed to, the brand, Victoria's Secret, still managed to sell six billion dollars worth of goods last year. But for conservatism, for conservatism's sake, I just said it was worth zero, okay? And then I value Bath & Body Works. I give it a multiple of 25. 
and that makes Bath and Body Works worth $22 billion. Okay, I then add cash and subtract the debt of the whole company. So the $12 billion of debt that the company has overall, I put all of that into the Bath and Body Works segment. I subtracted it all away from just the good segment of Bath and Body Works. And then that left me with a $10 billion value for the company, just based on valuing Victoria's Secret at zero and Bath and Body Works with a, with a multiple of 25. And what I got overall was I got a stock price of $36. Now, if you look at L Brand's stock chart, you'll see that it's been less than $36 since July of 2018. So for two years, the entire company was valued at less than the value of one of its segments. Even if I make Victoria's Secret, the entire segment worth zero, the company L Brands overall was valued at less than just the Bath and Body Works segment alone. And this has also happened for Shirairo, Treasury Wine Estates, which it's still happening for. It's also still happening for G3 and Lionsgate. If you go onto my website, you'll see how I've broken these down for those stocks. But if you think about it, again, in all these situations, the market is valuing a segment as worth negative, which is impossible, okay? It, the lowest something can be worth is zero. So that's another way to find a good deal. Look at the segments and value a good segment that a company has and then value the bad segment as worth zero. Another problem you might come into when you do this approach is that a, comp a company won't, so for our free cash flow calculation, we need the operating profit, which the company will give. We then need the depreciation amortization and the capital capital expenditures. Now, a lot, of the, a lot of the time, a company won't break out the depreciation amortization and the capital expenditures for each segment. They'll just say, this is the overall company's depreciation and amortization, and this is the company's overall capital expenditures. So in that situation, what I do is they'll always give you the operating profit for each segment. So what I do is, is I just get the operating profit for the good segment. I multiply that by the one minus the tax rate. So I'm essentially just looking at the net operating profit after tax, which is pretty much like the profit of the company of that segment after the taxes have been paid for. And I don't worry about depreciation amortization and I don't worry about capital expenditures. And I just use the same concepts of my free cash flow multiples or the low growth formula. I just use that with this net operating profit after tax instead of free cash flow. And that's okay to do because most of the time they're pretty similar. So that's another way you find a stock for cheap. You find a company where it has multiple segments, one segment's doing poorly, and that drags down the overall results of the company. The professionals, they don't have the time or the patience or the knowledge to stay invested in that company. So they value the company based on the overall results, which are pretty bad, and the stock falls as a result. But in reality, the management, the CEO of that company can just shut down the bad segment and you'll find that the good segment alone can be worth more than the stocks trading at today. So the last situation where you find cheap stocks is in growth stocks, which I know it sounds contradictory because I have told, I always put growth stocks as expensive together, but that's not always the case. 
I just wanted you to be very cautious when you're investing in the hyped up growth stocks. I just wanted you to be very cautious there because that's where the most people lose money. But because growth stocks are usually small, and by small, I mean the company overall is worth less than 10 or $5 billion. Because they're small, the professionals perceive them as risky. Why are they risky? Because a rule of thumb on Wall Street is that a smaller company is riskier. They're more likely to go bankrupt because they're a growth company, so they're losing money. And so if any little thing goes wrong, the company doesn't have any profits to protect itself with. And so if you're a growth, high growth company and you're losing money and something goes wrong, you're now going to lose more money. And to, to, go from in, to, grow, to go from being in growth mode and losing money and investing in yourself to profit mode where you're trying to make your company as profitable as possible, that process takes at least a couple of months, if not longer. So investors just naturally in their head, they go, the small companies which are growing fast are perceived as riskier. And so as a result of that, they avoid those companies in general. And another thing you have to remember is that these professionals are managing large sums of money. And so to invest in a small company, they can only invest a small amount because they don't want to end up owning a lot of the company really. They just want to be like us, just own a tiny, tiny fraction of the company. They can sell their shares whenever they want. So overall, young companies which are losing money that are growing fast, the pros tend to avoid them until a certain point. Okay, and we saw this fear of the growth stocks happen with COVID. Okay, it happened in 2019, it happened at the end of 2018, 2017, it happens all the time. Investors suddenly get scared of these money losing high growth companies and they just punish those stocks as a result. However, if there's a fast growing money losing company that you know of because you use its products and you don't really see any way of them going obsolete, they've got protection from competition, like a Facebook or a Netflix in their early days, then when Wall Street runs away from them, as they periodically do, probably about once a year or every two years, investors would have suddenly hate money losing companies and they'll want companies that are profitable. And these are great opportunities to buy into the stock. And that's why it's generally best to avoid these high growth stocks for most of the time. Like right now, investors love the growth stocks. They love that they're losing money and growing fast. They don't care about profits. And so those stocks are all really high, but there will come a time when the tide will change and investors will again be spooked out by money losing companies. And that can be a good opportunity to buy in to a growth stock that you like. So how do I go about this? Well, I use that scaffold, the discounted cash flow analysis, the scaffold for valuing a high growth company. I just do that for a company that I'm interested in. I try and predict how big it's going to be using what I've taught you guys. And I just wait and the scaffold will calculate me a stock price. And I just wait for the stock to get to that price. Just be patient because although it seems like for the last, you know, six months that all these expensive fast growing companies are just going up and up and up. There will come a time when the tide will change. You've just got to be patient. And so in summary, what I'm trying to say here is that because the pros tend to avoid these companies, 
they're a good opportunity for us smaller investors. And you'll actually see on every stock chart, like Facebook, Google, whatever, you'll see that when they started out, when they first came on the public markets, they were kind of, they were growing, but not super quick. Their stock chart kind of is just slowly rising. And then once that company reaches a certain size, all those big hedge fund managers on Wall Street who are managing large amounts of money, they will suddenly put a lot of their money into these companies because they're no longer seen as small and risky. And what you'll find is that when that happens, the stock chart will actually will go extremely more, much more vertically than it has in its past. And so the overall shape is that it's slowly increasing at the start and then it will reach a threshold and it will go very high vertically. And so along that path, there will be a time when the stock is bashed and cheap because investors are scared of money losing companies and that's an opportunity to buy. All right, so that's it for this week. We address the main ways you find cheap stocks, companies with a short-term issue that isn't really going to hurt the company long-term. If you think about it, would you stop buying McDonald's or Domino's because they were underpaying their employees? Probably not. Would you stop buying a fashion brand because they were underpaying their employees? Probably not. It doesn't really have an impact, but investors get really scared and they smash the stock down. So it's a good opportunity to buy in. The second way you find cheap stocks is a company that was in high growth mode is having a slowdown in growth. That scares investors off, good buying opportunity. The third is when an industry overall is perceived as struggling, all those stocks get smashed, good opportunity to go out and buy what you want. The fourth situation is when a company has multiple segments. There's a good segment and a bad segment. The bad segment drags down the overall results, the stock falls. But if you value the segments individually, you'll actually find that the good segment can be worth more than the entire company is trading at today. And then the last situation is in those growing, fast growing stocks. Investors will periodically be in love with them and hate them. And that's why they're perceived as quite risky and volatile because they're small and they can jump around a lot. Wait for that crisis to happen when investors suddenly hate them and that'll be a good buying opportunity. All right, guys, so that's it for this week. I will see you next week. Bye.